It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. It is Pushing the Limits, so glad you could join us. And uh, we're going to have some fun today. Broadcasting everywhere. If you're not listening on the FMAM dial, we're uh, live on TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere for your viewing enjoyment, your viewing pleasure. Good guests lined up today, too. I'm excited. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. Of course, you know who David Siegel is, right? He's a billionaire, successful businessman. He owns the Westgate, owns real estate just about everywhere in the world. Uh, his wife's going to be joining us, Jackie Siegel, lovely lady. I had a chance to meet both of them last week. The reason why Jackie's coming on, she's got a new book out called uh, Victoria's Voice. It's a story about her daughter who di- sadly died of a, uh, of a drug overdose. And she wrote this book uh, and put this book out there in hopes of, of, of helping others and saving other uh, young lives out there. This is a big problem in this country, drug overdoses, fentanyl. It has been for a long time, but it's getting worse and worse. So I wanted to get her on the show. Uh, to talk about that. So she'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Then in hour number two, a young man by the name of Zach Walker Lieb, a uh, big conservative in this town of Las Vegas. Uh, he's a fellow with the Club for Growth. It's one of the nation's leading conservative organizations. He also sits on the board of directors for Keystone Corporation. We might get into good, some good spirited political debate in hour number two. That's what we do on this show. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, we will get into some good debate. I'm sure we will in hour number two with uh, Zach. So he'll be joining us. All right. I got to start off by talking about something that I didn't think I'd be talking about today. We're going to get to some Peter Navarro stuff. We're going to get to some ridiculous comments by Greg Gutfeld uh, talking about the Holocaust. We're going to get to all that stuff. But I'm going to start by talking about uh, Bronny James. I didn't think I'd be bringing him up today. I didn't think that this would be a topic of discussion, but it is. So Bronny James, the touted USC freshman, of course, the son of LeBron James, uh, suffered a cardiac arrest. And um, this is something that certainly came out of nowhere. I don't know what uh, Bronny James, his, his personal medical history or, or anything like that. Um, but I can tell you that uh, what we've learned, and I'm going to give you facts, and then we're going to talk about conspiracy theories, but I'm going to give you facts to start off. Uh, what we know is that Bronny James suffered a cardiac arrest at a USC basketball workout yesterday. He's 18 years old. The good news is that Bronny James is currently in stable condition after a brief stretch in the intensive care unit. It's according to a spokesperson for the James family. Uh, The James family said in a statement, LeBron and Savannah wish to publicly send their deepest thanks and appreciation to the USC medical and athletic staff for their incredible work and dedication to the safety of their athletes. Uh, Los Angeles Fire Department paramedics were called to USC at around 9.26 in the morning yesterday, a uh, call of a medical emergency. Bronny James lost consciousness and was taken code three lights and sirens, uh, which is uh, the utmost of seriousness. Uh, it's the second time in the last year that the USC medical staff has responded to a men's basketball player suffering from a cardiac arrest. So if you go on social media today, 
which I would imagine some of you have, you'll see that there are a lot of conspiracy theories floating out. There are a lot of people on the far right that have no idea what they're talking about, that think they know Bronnie James' medical history. They think they're Bronnie James' personal physician. They think they're infectious disease experts. I'm going to read you a couple of these tweets because they're so ridiculous. I'll explain why. One person says, breaking, LeBron James' son suffers cardiac arrest. I wonder if they'll believe us now that the vaccine is making these kids drop. That's what one moron says. Somebody else, nothing to see here, just climate change. Back at it again, Bronnie James' cardiac arrest, but absolutely zero to do with the vaccines. Somebody else writes, cardiac arrests have increased 30% among 25 to 45-year-olds in the two years following the pandemic. Maybe Aaron Rodgers and RFK Jr. are right. One thing for certain, the fact that Bronny James was vaxxed and boosted had absolutely nothing to do with his cardiac arrest. It's totally common for healthy 18-year-old athletes to have heart attacks. I mean, it goes on and on with some of these moronic tweets. And by the way, these tweets are from people that have zero medical experience. Uh, and they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. If you want to talk about basketball players, Hank Gathers, Ben Breadlove, and many others have had heart attacks in their teens before the scary vaccine existed. Have you ever heard of somebody by the name of Reggie Lewis? Now, let me give you some facts, because again, if you listen to some of these right wingers talking about Bronnie James and talking about the vaccines, uh, they would lead you to believe that the vaccines are calling all, uh, causing all these teenagers to drop, and that must be behind Bronny James. Again, they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. I'm going to give you facts now, statistics, from actual real physicians and infectious disease doctors, people that actually work on the front lines, not morons like Charlie Kirk with zero medical experience in his GED, that'll go on social media to lead you to believe that Bronny James must have gotten myocarditis from the vaccine that he took without knowing anything about Bronnie James medical history, without having any medical experience of his own, but he would lead you to believe that the same people that attack Dr. Fauci and support Donald Trump are the same people that spread medical misinformation about the vaccines. Now, let me give you some facts about Bronnie James and let me give you some facts about myocarditis, because uh, a lot of these people on the far right have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. First off, let me share this with you. Dozens of college athletes every year pre-COVID have suffered cardiac incidents with several dying every year. That is a fact. That's before COVID. That's before the vaccines. And men's college basketball players are most at risk, according to the statistics. Black men are even more at risk. There is absolutely no indication that Bronny suffered from myocarditis. These are just people on social media that are spreading conspiracy theories. Again, they don't know his medical history and they don't know what they're talking about. And studies have shown that it's not the vaccines that are causing myocarditis, but those who contracted COVID-19 were found to be at risk of developing myocarditis 11 times more likely than those who did not. Those who had received the vaccine were less likely in a study to develop myocarditis. If, again, if you developed COVID, you are 11 times more likely to get myocarditis than somebody pre-COVID. That statistic has nothing to do with the vaccines. 
myocarditis is extremely rare side effect of COVID vaccines. And again, half the world has taken the vaccines. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's really incredible to me that there are so many people out there spreading all this misinformation because that's what it is. This is vaccine and COVID misinformation. And even Elon Musk, somebody on Twitter is spreading misinformation. Again, somebody with no medical experience at all. Elon Musk goes on Twitter today and says, we can uh, cannot ascribe everything to the vaccine, but by the same token, we cannot ascribe nothing. Myocarditis is a known side effect. Again, what Elon Musk doesn't share, the statistics that I shared of how rare myocarditis is in people that were vaccinated. But if you do get COVID, you are 11 times more likely to get myocarditis. And again, let me repeat once again, there is zero evidence, zero, to show that Bronny got myocarditis, let alone got myocarditis from the vaccine. Zero evidence to prove that. Zero. There is always going to be a very rare chance that if you take a vaccine, you could have a side effect. Just like if you get symptoms from the flu vaccine. Same thing can be true with the COVID vaccine. But anecdotes and non-controlled, non-peered review studies are not proof of anything. And when people will say, well, we've got this study, we've got this study, non-controlled, non-peered review studies mean nothing. Zilch. Zero. This isn't an opinion. I'm not sharing opinions with you. These are from the top infectious disease experts on the planet. People that are apolitical, that have dedicated their life to saving lives. People that are on the front lines, that are in hospitals. But yet, you go on social media and you see these buffoons thinking that they know everything about vaccines and infectious disease. And let me tell you something. I would much rather get my information from an infectious disease expert or somebody with some medical degree than somebody like a Charlie Kirk or a right-wing idiot on social media with no medical expertise at all. That's what's going on on social media right now. And I'm going to share a story with you because I think this is really important to exactly what I'm talking about. There was a young 14-year-old African-American girl. This is a tragedy, by the way, a terrible story, but I need to share it with you. She was on playing flag football with her friends in Las Vegas, and she died of a cardiac arrest. And the days, hours, days, weeks, even months after, a lot of the right-wingers with no medical information on this woman or young teenage girl, 14, that sadly passed away, claimed, oh, it must have been from the vaccine. She must have died from myocarditis. Now, I knew when I heard this, the same I'm hearing now about Bronny, that these people had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. So what happened? Even while the family is still grieving the loss of their 14-year-old child, which is a tragedy, it's horrible, and my heart goes out to this family, the mother had to go on a local news station and set the record straight, which she did, because these people that go on social media and spread rumors had no idea what they were talking about, very similar to LeBron, to, to, to Bronny James. And she said that her daughter suffered from a heart ailment. And even though one of her doctors said she should be okay to go on the playing field, obviously she wasn't. And she died. And her mother said it had absolutely nothing to do with a vaccination. That her daughter was suffering 
since she was a, a young baby from a heart ailment. But yet all these people that spread all this medical misinformation about her, oh, it was the vaccine, it was the jab, she died of myocarditis. They had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. Exact same situation here when it comes to Bronnie James. Exact same situation. These people on Twitter, they have, they don't know any information about his medical history. There's no evidence that he had myocarditis. There's no evidence that there was any correlation between what happened to him and his cardiac arrest to the vaccines, but yet they'll still spread medical misinformation. Why? I, I have no other explanation other than they're complete dopes. I have no other explanation. The JFK Jr. fans out there, you know, the QAnon group, I have no other explanation other than they're not very intelligent. Am I saying doctors and infectious disease experts are perfect? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is I would rather listen to them talk about medicine and vaccines than some dope on social media that has no medical credentials at all, but thinks they do. That's all I'm saying. And again, there is zero, zero evidence that Bronnie James had myocarditis or this had anything to do with the vaccinations. Zero. But people will go on social media and spread misinformation. I want to play you Sanjay Gupta, who, again, has a medical degree, a ton of medical degrees. I will take Sanjay Gupta's word over other people on social media with no medical information. Here's what Sanjay Gupta had to say. Cardiac arrest while at a practice yesterday, importantly and crucially, before we have any more discussion, resting comfortably, no longer in the ICU. Let's get right to CNN Chief Medical Correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay, you've now seen the same. Andy Scholes, I'm told, is with us as well. Uh, Sanjay, you've now seen this statement. Give us a sense of what you see here, what this means to you. Well, so he's he's 18 years old. Sounds like he had this sudden cardiac arrest. There was a very fast, it sounds like, resuscitation taken to the hospital. But as you point out, given the fact that he was in the intensive care unit but was then able to, to leave the intensive care unit and is on a general care floor, that that is obviously uh, the, the most important sort of headline there. Obviously, the, the cardiac arrest, what exactly triggered that, what caused that, that's what the doctors are going to be sort of investigating over the next several days. Uh, this is rare. Um, we know that a few thousand people who are, who are uh, young athletes do suffer sudden, sudden cardiac arrests every year. There's all sorts of different reasons that can happen, electrical abnormalities of the heart. Um, we know, for example, with Damar Hamlin, it was related to something known as cordius commotio. There you go. Okay, is- so there's Dr. Sanjay Gupta pre-COVID. Thousands, thousands of teenagers suffer cardiac arrest every year pre-COVID. Thousands. But what people with no medical experience will say is that, oh, well, that's because of the vaccines or that's because of myocarditis. Another key word that Sanjay Gupta used, they are looking into and investigating what happened and why it happened. And while they're doing that, the people out there with zero medical experience are trying to correlate this with the vaccine. It's absurd. It is absurd. I don't know what other word to use. Conspiracy theorist, yes. It is absurd. Just like we're learning the story about Barack Obama's chef who sadly drowned. And
And there are people on social media, the QAnoners out there that also probably think that Jews are pointing space lasers into forests and Donald Trump won the 2020 election in a landslide. Now we're trying to correlate that to Barack Obama because Barack Obama's chef drowned. They're trying to say that maybe this was some sort of murder and he had dirt on Barack Obama. I mean, these people are ridiculous. You can't take these people seriously. They're all ridiculous. They're all Alex Jones morons. I don't know what else to say. When you make claims like this with no facts to back up your ridiculous opinions, you are a conspiracy theorist and you're no better than Alex Jones. And unfortunately, this is the stuff that sells. It's why the Tucker Carlson's of the world and the Alex Jones of the world have made money over the course of their careers because people believe it. They're susceptible to believing this stuff. That somehow because Barack Obama's chef died and drowned, Barack Obama must have been a part of it. It must have been a part of the deep state. It's absurd. Just like the people on social media today that are making claims about Bronnie James. It is absurd. Again, I repeat, pre-COVID, pre-vaccination, thousands of teenagers, thousands, suffer from cardiac arrest every single year. That's still rare. Thousands every single year. Pre-vaccination when Reggie Lewis died on the basketball court. Was that because of a vaccine? No. He had an enlarged heart. He had a disease. It's really mesmerizing to me, and I say it's dangerous because when you believe this stuff, it, it can affect lives. But the second, and if you don't believe me, by the way, you could just go on YouTube and look at all the soccer players that have died of heart attacks on the playing field before the vaccinations. You could go on YouTube and you could look it up. There's videos of it. It's difficult to watch. That wasn't because of a vaccine. This stuff has happened. While it's rare, it does happen. And as Sanjay Gupta correctly points out, thousands of teenagers suffer from a cardiac arrest every single year in this country, pre-vaccination. But again, if you go on social media, you'll, you'll, you'll be led to believe the same people who talk about how Bronny James must have suffered a cardiac arrest from myocarditis. They're the same people that are talking about Tafari Campbell, the 45-year-old who drowned. And his body was found after a two-day search. And when people hear about, oh my God, Barack Obama's chef died and drowned, which by the way is a terrible tragedy, they will make it political. And they will try to correlate that to Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, that they had must, must have something to do with this poor guy's drowning. It's disgraceful. And I'm sure his family doesn't appreciate it. Here's a guy who got a wonderful job making money as Barack Obama's personal chef. Do you think his family appreciates the fact that you're now making his death political and trying to correlate the death with the Obamas? It's disgusting. And these are the same people who uh, Donald Trump said, if I shot somebody on, on Fifth Avenue, uh, they would still vote for me. These are the same people. 
Uh, forget about all the felonies that Donald Trump is facing. He can do no wrong and he's innocent. But God forbid one of Barack Obama's chef drowns. It must have been on the Obamas. They must have been a part of it. I mean, it's, folks, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. And it is impossible to have conversations with these kinds of conspiracy theorist people. They are the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. And it's disgraceful. And it's embarrassing that there are people out there that have so low intelligence in this country that they will spread these false misinformation rhetoric, whether it be Barack Obama's personal chef or Bronnie James. You know who the people are that are going to find out and they're going to know what happened to Bronnie James. The people that are working in the hospitals right now that are taking a look at his heart that are treating him. That saved his life. Those are the people that are going to know what happened to Bronnie James. It could be a whole plethora of reasons why this happened to him. I'm glad he's alive. It looks like he's going to recover. And I am really happy to hear about this. It looks like there's going to be a good outcome here. And that's the good news. And that's what we should be talking about. We should put our thoughts and prayers out there to LeBron James family. Even though I'm not a LeBron James fan on the basketball court, I certainly never would want any of this happen to him or any members of his family. That's what we should be talking about. Thoughts and prayers to LeBron James family. Because it doesn't matter how much money you have or what type of celebrity you are. This is LeBron James' son we're talking about here. An innocent kid who did nothing wrong, an 18-year-old. And we want the best for him. And stop spreading medical misinformation. Because that's what some of you are doing on social media. You've been doing it for years. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. The RFK juniors of the world, I hate all of you for making blatant, medical misinformation statements without having any idea what you're talking about. As Sanjay Gupta again pointed out, thousands of teenagers, thousands suffer from a cardiac arrest 18 years and under every single year in this country. There is no correlation to that and the fact that, oh, he must have been vaccinated. As I mentioned earlier, which is a stat which has been proven true in studies, many of studies, that if you contracted COVID, you are 11 times more likely to develop myocarditis. Notice I'm not bringing up the vaccines in there, which so many people on the right with zero medical experience want to bring up. It's a joke. And it's dangerous and it's wrong. And chances are, if you are a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. fan, you're probably one of those people on social media spreading conspiracy things that Bronnie James must have had myocarditis and this must have been from the vaccines. Look at yourself in the mirror because you are an embarrassment to this country. You are embarrassing. The people that I listen to are not the Charlie Kirks of the world or people with no medical experience like RFK Jr., actual infectious disease experts and those that save lives every day in hospitals. Those are the people that I listen to, not right-wingers out there with no medical expertise at all. How could you listen to people like that? If you want to listen to people like Alex Jones and RFK Jr., go right ahead. But I would be willing to bet that you probably are not a very logical, intelligent person. It's a joke. No, I am not a doctor. And during COVID, and even though I almost died of COVID and I was in the ICU for two weeks, I said it over and over again. You don't have to listen to people like me. Listen to your own personal physician. Listen to medical professionals when it comes to COVID, when it comes to vaccines. Don't listen to radio hosts. There are at least a half a dozen conservative radio hosts that are dead today. And a couple of years ago, they were spreading medical misinformation about vaccines. They're dead now. I don't wish that upon anybody. 
I've said time and time again, don't listen to people like me. Don't listen to radio hosts or members of the media. Listen to your personal physician. Can you find me infectious disease experts that are saving lives every day that are spreading medical misinformation rumors about Bronnie James? Of course not. Sanjay Gupta is one of them who said this happens to thousands of teenagers every single year. It's a lie. That's what it is. It's a lie. It's called medical misinformation and conspiracy theories, and I'm not going to have it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, somebody who I admire very much, her name is Jackie Siegel. Her husband is David. You know David Siegel as, uh, well, he's a billionaire. Let's just call it for what it is. Owns the Westgate, owns property all over the world, real estate. Very successful businessman. I admire Jackie a lot because she's the founder of Victoria's Voice. A story about her daughter who passed away of a, uh, sadly, of a drug overdose. Her new book out, Victoria's Voice, we're going to talk to her a little bit about that. And again, the problem with fentanyl in this country. The problem with uh, so many that have lost their lives to drug overdoses in this country. It's, it's a problem that's getting worse and worse. And I want to tackle that and I want to talk about it. So we'll be joined by Jackie Siegel next. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines, beware, go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? 
Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. So listen, I, I, I'm pretty open about my personal life, and I, and I uh, sadly, I wish I didn't have to talk about this. I wish my sister was still here, but uh, it's something I think about every day. It happened about seven, eight months ago, and uh, a little after Thanksgiving, my sister died of a drug overdose, and, and my, it, it's heartbreaking, and, and my family's had to suffer through this. It's why my parents are moving out here to Vegas, and uh, it's something that I is dear, near and dear to my heart. I had the opportunity to meet David and Jackie Siegel uh, a few weeks ago at an event at the Westgate. They, they really are uh, fun people to talk to, good people, and uh, I had a chance to meet Jackie Siegel, who was the founder of Victoria's Voice, and I learned the story of her daughter in her book, uh, Victoria's voice. Uh, and it says in this book that uh, their daughter's wish was to share her diary. And in doing so, they said they hope it will save young lives from drug overdose. And I really, I really do appreciate that. And I appreciate Jackie Siegel uh, joining us today on the show. Jackie, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Oh, Brian, uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. And I am so sorry about the loss of your sister. I appreciate that. And, and, and of course, I feel the same way about your daughter. It's terrible. Um, can you first tell us this? Um, how old was, was your daughter when this happened? Our daughter was 18 years old. Oh. And um, um, when when she passed away, there was such a stigma about the drug epidemic that um, no one talked about it. They always said that their child died of natural causes, a heart attack or this. But something kills people at that young age. To cause the heart attack, you know, in a healthy person, and it was the drug. Uh, it's the drug epidemic, and because we did the Queen of Versailles documentary, which was like the most talked about um, documentary of all time, or one of the most, the t- top most fifty, it became national headlines about our daughter. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we decided to um, to make a difference in this world, yeah. and not hide it. And not be ashamed that it happened to our family. 
No. Because the only, yeah. by hiding it, you're not helping anyone. I agree. You're not opening their eyes yes. to even give their family members a warning mm-hmm. about the drug epidemic, you know? Sure, no question. And you know, I don't wish the pain upon anybody, what your family's had to go through, what my family's had to go through. Talk to me a little bit about this book. Obviously, you put this book out there, I would imagine, for multiple reasons, which you're, you, you mentioned a little bit. Uh, you want to save lives and, and tell your story and help others. And, and through the tragedy of your daughter's death, maybe in her death, you know, turn it into, uh, try to turn it at least into a positive where you can inform people and maybe save lives, right? Yeah, well, you you hit the nail, like you hit it, like right there. That's that's exactly it, um, straight to the point. Uh, um, yeah, so Victoria, when she um, passed away, or before she passed away, she sent a text to one of her friends. She knew she was like doing Russian roulette every time she popped a pill or injected something into her body or put something up her nose, whatever it was. She knew that there was a chance that, that she could pass away. Uh, but I guess the high was that important or whatever she was trying to escape, like as far as depression and bullying or trying to fit in peer pressure, all that. Um, but she left a text that in the event of her death, she wanted her friend to tell me where her diary was hmm. and for me to publish it. So um, after the funeral, her friend sent me this text and um I regret that the friend didn't give me this warning in advance, but you can't go back. You can't get mad at people, right. you know, for, for whatever reasons. And in her diary, it, it shows the journey from a 12-year-old entering her teenage years through the whole, from before she ever even knew what a drug was, through the process of being bullied at school, wanting to fit in, fit in um, to, to the, the, the stress of, trying to keep up with the, you know, the homework, the tests, like it's a lot of pressure um, at that age. And, um, and then, and it goes through the process of her trying different drugs. And this is good for two reasons. One is for the parents, for this to be an eye opener, that this is inside of a teenage mind, that um, this can be happening behind their child's closed doors. Okay. So, I really want it to be an eye-opener. I want to be an inspiration for the parents to do everything they can to save their child's life. No question. If you're and, just joining us, if, I'm sorry to interrupt. If you're just joining us, Jackie Siegel, uh, founder of Victoria's Voice, uh, her new book out. I'm going to be giving uh, some copies away on the air here at the end of this interview. And Jackie Siegel joins us right now on the line talking about the tragic death of her daughter to a drug overdose. Jackie, uh, was was this fentanyl-related? What What was the drug that was used that inevitably caused this? Well, actually, um, it, it was more um, methadone, and um, well, she was also on her- heroin. Mm-hmm. She went to a drug rehab, and um, she had met a guy who was a, a heroin addict, a 25-year-old man, mm-hmm. and he got her on heroin, and she started with, she did the heroin, then they, they did methadone. I mean, you name it, they did it. I, I, I want to say like all of them. Gosh, you know? that, 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 that is horrible. You know, it's interesting and it's interesting, Jackie, because, you know, there are some people that will say, well, you know what, if you have the money and the capabilities, you can save anybody. And I mean, that's just not true. I mean, you guys are are you guys are uh, very successful people. Uh, You had all the everything in front of you. But if somebody, number one, is not willing to get the help or number two, they're not going about the steps the right way and getting help. This is a disease. Oh, it's, it's a disease and it takes a lot of love and support from family members. Um, but part of the problem is now, 
Um, see, I thought like with with all of our money and our wherewithal, because of course you know we own Westgate, the, the the casino out in Las Vegas and stuff, and we do events there to bring awareness about the drug epidemic. Um, the the big, I mean, I thought we would hopefully have come close to er eradicating overdoses. And in, in fact, it's gotten much worse because of the fentanyl right. on the streets. And um, we're like our big thing now that uh, Victoria's Voice Foundation does is we have the National Naloxone Day. It was um, June 6th. Um, we, we did the, uh, the media launch in New York City to raise awareness. We're doing everything we can because naloxone for the people out there that don't know what Narcan, naloxone, it's the same thing, is it, it's an antidote. That um, if you if someone's dying of a drug overdose from opioids, cocaine, fentanyl, you, you it's a spray that goes up their nose mm -hmm. and it brings them back to life. It's like right. the Lazarus drug. Yeah, so you call the ambulance and then they go and save, and their lives will be saved. I mean, they used it twice on Prince. I think it just saved Madonna's life. Um, to, like a, about a month ago. You have to be conscious, so, though. You have to be conscious, right? To to, to take. No, this. no. You could already have stopped breathing. Okay. But but not for long. I mean, you don't want to like. Right. But like, right, like when, it, when it happens, it could it saves lives. That's that's the key. Yeah. And, and there, it, it, there's it no question about lives. that. Let me ask you this. Um, there are some people that make the fentanyl issue political. And, you know, when talking about my sister, I can't stand that. And I'm sure you can't either. There's no question that this isn't a Republican problem or a Democrat problem, right? Uh, Jackie, this is an American problem and well, it needs and to be is, tackled by both well, sides of the aisle. I just can't stand when people say this is only a Biden issue. Uh, this is an American no, issue, right? No, this is um, one thing that I feel that can unite our country. And um, it's, it's not, it doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, um, you know, uh, uh, Jewish or, you know, um, Catholic or living under a bridge or in, in a mansion. It, it, there's like really no demographic. It does not touch. This is something that affects every single family in the country. And I really feel it's something that we can all have a conversation about. And be united and actually try to help our next generation and our Agreed. loved ones. Let's talk friends, about you know? solutions. Let's talk about solutions. Obviously, what you're doing with your husband in putting this book out uh, and spreading the word about your story, you're going to save lives. And I commend you for that. But in the broader picture here, what do you think needs to be done just from maybe laws, regulation, uh, tougher punishments? Jackie, what do you think should be done here that could save lives uh, in the well, long run? Well, I, I don't feel you should punish the addict. That's that's for sure. But these, some of the people are getting accidentally overdosed and killed. Mm -hmm. um, let me, like for example, there there was um, a, a a lady that came to our uh, event for the National Naloxone Day in June six. She lost two sons. One was forty one, and one was forty three. She lost them six months ago, right or right before Christmas. One of them was helping a neighbor. That neither of them did drugs ever in their lives. One of them was shoveling a driveway, hurt his back for the neighbor. The neighbor gave him um, a Percocet, or what he believed to be a Percocet, off the from the street from his dealer, and it was pure fentanyl and killed this man, mm. a 43 year old man, and he had a, a six month old baby. He was a oh. happily married man. So like the like those people should not be reprimanded. Um, the people that. Um, 
do get caught like with the with the overdoses and stuff, I think it's important for our government to um, lead them with a, as far as like um, a social worker um, to get counseling in the right group to maybe um, like work with the family members to educate the family members of how to handle and get to the root of why they are doing this. Some of them are self-medicating. Some of them are just bored, especially from the COVID lockdown. Right. I mean, the, 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 the drug epidemic spiked. Let me um, ask so you this. Were, this might be a tough question, but like, what do you do in a situation where you know a loved one that is suffering from drug addiction, but they're not willing to admit they have a problem, which I think is the first step, right? You have to admit you have a problem and then be willing to get help. I mean, what do you do in a situation where you have a friend or a family member, you you feel like they're going to kill themselves eventually and they have a a drug addiction, but they're not willing to get help. Like, I don't know what, what, I don't know the answer to that. What do you do in a situation like that? I tell you, um, it's very, um, if you if we all had the answer to that question and it worked, um, I think we would eradicate the drug epidemic. Mm-hmm. But the the thing is, I think uh, some people just have that gene in them with a, like an addictive personality. Yeah, and it's almost like I feel like some people have to just have some wake up call, and they can do it. But I feel that there's a very small percentage of some of the, the severe drug addicts that actually fully 100% recover. Yeah. Um, yeah. My husband, he feels that someone um, to succeed in the, um, or have the best chance to succeed in, in um, a rehab center, that it has to be at least three months. Yeah. 30 days just doesn't cut it. I mean, the first thing they do after 30 days, they say, okay, it's only 30 days. They get out. The first thing they do is call their dealer. Right. You know? So, so I 100% months. agree with what you just said, but here's the problem, and I think you'll agree with me. Most people are not in a financial situation where they can afford to put somebody in a rehab facility for three months, right? I mean, is that something that the government should should pay for? I, I 100% feel that the um, government should help with with um, like aid, like just like how, how they do for um, health care, you know? Um, I mean, this is a, a health crisis. Um, and it's a shame, like how expensive the rehab centers are. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of parents that almost like went broke. They mortgaged their homes, um, their kids have been in and out. And finally the parents get to a breaking point. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that as well. Uh, Jackie, talk to me a little bit about your daughter. What type of person was she? What, how should people remember her for people that maybe didn't know her? Can you talk? I know you do this in the book a little bit, but talk to me a little bit about, uh, uh, the type of person she was and how, how you want her to be remembered. Well, um, she was kind of like, I want to say like a free spirit, kind of like almost like a hippie girl. Hmm. She didn't want anyone to know that she came from a family with money or that a father that owned all these resorts and stuff. She uh, wanted to go, we, um, she wanted to, she quit public, I mean, private school, wanted to go to private or public school, sorry. And she wanted to be just barefoot and wear t-shirts hmm. and, and cut off shorts and um, and just natural hair, like like to jump in the ocean and let it be windblown. Right. I mean, she she didn't like makeup. I mean, she would wear it sometimes, but uh, yeah, just a real natural girl. And she would even do stuff like um, in the world that she um, went into in, in middle school or in um, high school. Um, one of her friends got stabbed in the stomachs. A, a guy. Um, mm. 
probably drug related. Um, I mean, because when someone doesn't, a kid just doesn't get random, randomly stabbed. Right. And um, it, it didn't kill him, but it damaged his intestines. So she did a fundraiser, but like Save Billy, um, or Rescue Billy, wow. and a sold t-shirt. She printed them online mm. just to pay for his medical bills. So wow. she always cared, and she always thought that she could make like these this uh, these groups of kids that she was involved with um, that were teaching her about the drugs. She thought she could um, she could cure them, and in fact, she ended up following it in their path. So wow. they kind of sucked well, her it in. Sounds like she was a, a wonderful, good-hearted individual. And again, I'm I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, Victoria's Voice. You're one of the founders, of course. How do people get involved? Where do people go to uh, t- to get involved in Victoria's Voice? Well, our um, our website is victoriasvoicefoundation.com, and they can get a, a lot of information on there. I also do have, um, actually, I, I made like a movie with my cell phone after my daughter died. It's not like a mm. real movie, but I mean, it is. It's like 90 minutes. Right. It's it's on um, my um channel it's called the princess of versailles so it kind of shows some experts yeah. excerpts from uh, the funeral and my process of trying to heal from right. this yeah you never and get looked, over you never get over something like this right i mean you never you never get yeah. over it but uh, what you're doing and turning it into uh something mm-hmm. positive i, I just think it, uh, i commend you for that uh, on a side note i wanted to say you know for the first time i met you and your husband a few weeks ago um your husband has quite the sense of humor, uh, by the way, when I interviewed him a few weeks ago. What has your relationship been like over the years? You, you're very public people, of course, uh, and your husband obviously being a very prominent man business-wise, no question about that. Uh, what has that been like over the years, having this public relationship and, and everything kind of being out there? Well, it's been really crazy. You know, when I first married my husband um, like 25 years ago, um, and he's like this big, like, um, it became like this, like real estate, um, right. Timeshare tycoon. <laughs> um, and I'm 30 years younger than he is. So, um, he, um, it was always like, oh, there's David Siegel and his wife or, you know, like no one really knew who I was <laughs> now after the documentary, um, after that came out, it's like, wherever we go, it's like, oh, there's the queen of Versailles and her husband. So now I feel like I've arrived. It's like this is crazy. Like <laughs> I think that I think that's 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 pretty cool. And, and that side, the documentary, people are now looking at you instead of him first, right? Which that's that's it's, unique, right? That's different for you. Yeah, and and um, and the thing is, um, he's kind of like um, we play off of each other, and we do have a season, um, uh, like a follow up to the documentary. It's called "The Queen of Versailles Reigns Again." It's on Discovery Plus, HBO Max, yep. Amazon Prime, and season two is going to be on HGTV in about a month. Um, when we signed up for that, I was so looking forward to like him being by my side um, for for the TV show because we play off on each other, right? And then he he hurt his back and he had to go to the hospital, and he was unable to be by my side mm. to work on Versailles for the TV show. And it's like, holy crap, I just landed a TV show <laughs> and I've never done a TV show my entire life. 
I don't know if I can carry it by myself. I think you can. To, you're you're a very intelligent lady. I I, I think I you'll try. I, I think <laughs> you can, and and I think you'll 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 be just fine. What is something about your husband that maybe people don't know, or maybe something about your relationship that you'd be willing to share with us? Maybe something funny, or what what would that be about your husband? Well, he does have an incredible sense of humor. I mean, he, he's really amazing, and. Um, and uh, people think, oh, my God, you know, she's like a gold digger or something like oh. that. But, I mean, he he's the one that found me. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he found me like in uh, Fort, like um, I, I ran the Mrs. Florida pageant. Yeah. And he came down to Fort Lauderdale. We were dating like a month. And he said, this isn't going to work. It's like, okay, so nice knowing you. And he says, no, it, it's not going to work with you living in Fort Lauderdale. He says, you're moving to Orlando. <laughs> so... Um, but, uh, I, I jumped in the shower and, uh, when I came out, all my clothes were packed up. All the pictures were off the walls. Yep. At first I thought he was like, like I got robbed, but in, in fact, he loaded everything up in our two cars and, and he meant it. He, what is the key? To- what is the key to keeping a relationship strong? You, as you said, you guys have been married for what, 25 years, right? What is the, yeah. what is the key to a long lasting, healthy uh, marriage and relationship? Well, it's all give and take, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I hate to say I'm like take, I mean, but like you have to, someone has to give in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm much like, I realize, I mean, I stand up for myself and I put my two cents in mm-hmm. and I know when it's time to back off, right. you know, and like I say, and, and, but you know, what's kind of funny. Like if I want to do something, if I want to paint this wall red, mm-hmm. I'll say, I want to paint that wall red. And like if it's a, and he'll say, no, it's a terrible color. Why would you paint a wall red? <laughs> and, and, but like, if I say, Hey honey, what if you, if I just plant the seed, you know, I heard like, it's like a real trendy thing. People painting like one wall red yeah. in a room, you know, <laughs> like, what do you think? You know, it's, and then all of a sudden, uh, the, like the, the decorator will come and they'll say, um, well, we should paint this wall. He said, why don't we do it red? So I plant the seed. <laughs> Of what I want, and then he will give in. Like as long as he thinks it's his idea, you know (laughs) what I mean. I think that's that's so funny. That's awesome. Well, let me say this, uh, Jackie. In closing, here again, I'm I'm so sorry for the loss of your daughter, but I I just think it's so admirable what you've done with this book and and with Victoria's voice, and and you are literally saving lives through through the loss of your daughter. And I I really appreciate you and your husband for doing this. You guys are welcome back anytime. We're going to give away some copies of your book right now, but I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And maybe one day we can get you and your husband in studio when you guys are back to Vegas. I'd, well, I'd really we'll love to, to, get, to, to have both and, of you and, do and that. It's been a pleasure if meeting wants, you. If anyone wants to see um, the Princess of Versailles movie, it's on the Real Queen of Versailles on YouTube channel. Very popular, Thank by you the so way. Much. Very, very popular, I must say. Uh, you guys are are, are are fun to watch. There's no question about that. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I really appreciate you so much and uh, look forward to talking to you and hopefully your husband again soon. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much. That's Jackie Siegel, the founder of Victoria's Voice, joining us. Wonderful lady. Just a wonderful lady. Uh, such a tragic story about her daughter, very similar to the story about my sister, right? I mean, it's terrible, but here's what I'm going to do right now because I'm such a giving guy, right? I'm such a great guy. No, in all seriousness, I'm going to give away three copies of her book. Uh, it's called Victoria's voice. It's a story about her daughter. We just, uh, talked about it and, uh, I want to give you guys a chance to 
get this book. And I'm going to give it away for free right now. Uh, first three callers right now at 702-221-7283. Again, that number to call is 702-221-7283. And if you call the station right now, you'll have an opportunity to come by and pick up the book. You have to live here in Las Vegas to pick it up. And if you do, uh, and if you call in right now, the first three callers, I will give you a free copy of this book, Victoria's Voice. I got to say, I read the book myself. It's a, it's a very emotional book. Uh, it's, it's well-written. It talks about the struggles that, uh, Jackie's daughter went through, uh, also goes into Jackie's daughter, uh, and her diary and her own struggles in her own mind. You get to be in the mind of someone that's struggling with drug addiction. Uh, it really is a great book. So first three callers right now, you're going to win a free copy of Victoria's voice. Again, that number 702-221-7283, 702-221-7283. And my thanks to Jackie for taking the time, uh, to talk about her book and her daughter. It really is, uh, uh, I'm going to use the term inspiring what her parents uh, are doing um, in trying to save lives. All right, we'll take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get into a little bit of a political discussion, debate, whatever you want to call it. Um, Zach Walker leaves going to be joining us in studio next. And uh, not only is he a business partner of uh, one of my good friends, the real estate man himself. Um, and we're going to get into uh, that coming up next. Uh, but not only is he a friend and business partner with Blake Gwynn from, uh, uh, a, a, again, from, uh, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but uh, this guy who I've developed a friendship with Blake Gwynn from Keller Williams, who buys and sells homes, uh, I've developed a really good friendship with him. And he said, hey, you got to get this guy, Zach, uh, in studio. I think you guys could have a good political debate. Well, Zach sits on the board of directors for Keystone Corporation, also Nevada's largest pro-business pack. He is also a fellow with the Club for Growth, one of the nation's leading conservative organizations. I'm going to be honest with you. I have a lot of issues with some conservatives these days. Not all, but some. So I think we're going to get into a good political conversation. Uh, Zach's going to be joining us next. Before I go, I want to tell you guys real quickly about my good friends, of course, uh, down the road at Flamingo and Jones, Jackson's Bar and Grill, every Monday and Wednesday. If you hit four to the Royal, you have a chance to spin the wheel to win up to $3,000. They have great food, great promotions, great atmosphere. I absolutely love Jackson's Bar and Grill. It's my favorite gaming bar in town. Please check them out. Jackson's Bar and Grill, located at Flamingo and Jones. All right, we'll take a quick break. Zach walker Leaves going to be joining us next. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. It is Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, I thank all my sponsors, including Sahara West Urgent Primary Care, located at 6125 West Sahara Avenue. No appointment needed. I was in and out of there in 20 minutes. They gave me the old testosterone therapy, and yeah, it worked. Give them a call, 702-248-0554. You can also visit them online at saharawesturgentcare.com. Uh, I got to tell you, they uh, they took care of me. They'll take care of you. Jessica and uh, Andrew will uh, do their best to take care of you. Tell them that I sent you. All right. So anybody who listens to this show knows that, uh, man, I interview all sorts of people in this area I call uh, pushing the limits uh, from politicians to porn stars. I, I do it all on this show. And uh, 
Uh, and even though the guy in studio with me right now is not a porn star, he's a much better looking man than I am. I'll say that. His name is Zach Walker Lieb, uh, and he works. He's a business associate of my good friend Blake Wynn with Keller Williams. Uh, he sits on the board of directors for the Keystone Corporation, Nevada's largest pro-business pack. He's also a fellow at the Club for Growth. It's one of the nation's leading conservative organizations. He's very politically involved, I guess you could say locally, and very passionate when it comes to a lot of local political issues. So I thought we could get into a very good political conversation. And Zach joins me right now in studio. Zach, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm great, man. It's an honor to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime, my friend. So, so you're, you're very, it's fair to say you're, you're a very politically involved guy, uh, especially passionate when it comes to a lot of pol- political issues locally. And you're a conservative. Is that fair to say? Like, I, I would say I'm I'm classical liberal or libertarian uh, gotcha. more than I would say conservative. Fair enough. I mean, let, let's start with some local issues and then we can get maybe to uh, some national issues. What do you make of Mike McDonald? What do you make of Jesse Law? What do you make of the leaders of the Republican Party in this state and in Clark County? You know, I'll tell a, a good story about Mike McDonald. Uh, we I went to the rodeo this last year and it was mm-hmm. uh, it was one of the Vegas good old boys that that invited me out and uh it was actually one of the binions oh. in the family and i i got to sit controversial next to family <laughs> to say the least got got to sit with him yep. and uh you know mike mcdonald's down there first row and he is shaking hands with everyone and knows everyone and says hi to everyone and it was it i'll say this it's incredible to watch him work a room especially with the people that he knows in las vegas mm-hmm. the guys that have grown up here they love him um, I think the, the tough part that we have here in the state is where we're running into an issue of on the Republican side of things, mm-hmm. winning elections or losing elections and, and trying to get the right candidates in. I think the biggest thing in our party that we face, uh, on the Republican side is there's no bench. There's no bench of good politicians, good candidates coming forward. We seem to recycle candidates over and over and over again, and they lose consistently. And so I, I think that he could probably do a little bit better job on on uh, running the party. But in terms of uh, his notoriety and how good he is, the, the guy is impressive. All right. So let me let me ask you this. Um, now, I've heard a lot of people describe Donald Trump that way. Wow, he's he's he shakes everyone's hands. He's very personable away mm-hmm. from the cameras. He's this, this and this as an outsider, because I am, even though I do a talk show and I talk politics a lot. I don't know Mike McDonald personally. I'm mm-hmm. not going to pretend that I do. Here's what I do know. The FBI asked him if he was part of an electorate scheme. Mm-hmm. He pleaded the fifth. Now, as an outsider looking in, I don't want the leader of my party and I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, but I don't want the leader of my party not being able to answer that question. Um, I think that's extremely problematic to me. That's a bit to me. That's a big issue. Could be a good guy. I don't know. I really don't. You know him. I don't. I'll take your word for it. But does that concern you at all that the leader of the Republican Party here in the state of Nevada was not willing to answer whether he was part of a fake electorate scheme? I, I honestly, I don't know anything about that scenario, so I couldn't really mm-hmm. speak to it. I don't know enough about the issue to, to say what happened, why he pleaded the fifth or what went on. I, mm-hmm. I just don't know enough about it. Um, all right. So, so we can move on from Mike McDonald. Um, you had mentioned why some Republicans didn't have maybe the best 2022 midterm elections. Um, I have a theory. You could tell me whether you agree yeah. or not. 
the Seagal Chattas of the world, the Jim Marchants of the world, the Michelle Fioris of the world. You probably shouldn't be saying that you want your opponent hanging from a pole. That's what Seagal Chatta said. And then she'll say, well, there's context. No, there's not. That's what you said. Uh, Jim Marchant has talked about the cabal. Uh, he's an election denier. Um, and uh, there are people in this city that are running for office or have run for office that I think are just crazy. Michelle Fiore is a nut. I mean, she broke Victoria Seaman's finger in a physical altercation. Um, you heard the comments I would assume she made about Amy Tarkanian, who's a friend of mine. Michelle, uh, you know, and, and, and Victoria Seaman was sitting in your chair. She told me about the physical altercation. I, I mean, I just, it's one thing if you disagree on policy, and I think that's always healthy to have those sorts of conversations. I think we need more of those. But these people are just crazy, right? Yeah. You know what I, here's one of the things that I talk about all the time. I think what is sad is that there's an extreme amount of hatred in politics in general. And, and division in politics in general. It doesn't just stop with the Republican and Democrat side. It, it is clearly within parties. Uh, there's so much passion that it leads to significant disdain. And I think we need to change that. I agree. I don't disagree with you. But I, I asked the question, why? Why is it that there, we're more divided now and there's more hate now than maybe there was six years ago? I don't blame Donald Trump for everything. Okay. I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. I do talk about Donald Trump a lot, and I'm not a big fan of his, but I believe he made things a lot worse and divided this country politically, his divisiveness when it comes to really anything or anybody that disagrees with him. If I'm a Republican, which I'm not, I say to myself, we need to get somebody in there that can bring people together. I can't find you one person in 2020 that voted for Joe Biden that is now saying, boy, you know, I don't like the way the country's headed. I think I'm going to vote for that guy, Donald Trump. Now, they maybe they'll say I'm not voting for Biden. But I don't hear anybody saying, I voted for Biden in 2020. I'm voting for Trump in 2024. So who, who's the guy that would unite the country? And then I can kind of comment on uh, From a Republican point from of any, view? From any. Is there um, a candidate anywhere in the country that you feel could unite us? Better than Trump or just in general? In general. Well, first of all, I, I'll tell you right now, I'd vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. But uh, would, is Joe Biden going to unite us? Uh, not as well as others. Not as well as others. Um, and, and a lot of the people that the Republican Party has ostracized for uh, voting to impeach Donald Trump, I think Mitt Romney would be a decent president. Um, but not I, uniting. Um, I think it'd be a hell of a lot more uniting than the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boeberts, yeah. the Jim Jordans, the yeah. Michael McDonald's, uh, yeah. you know, people like that. Well, I, I um, think I think the main issue is that so much power resides in an office now, especially the presidency. Mm -hmm. And so when one president wins an election, 50 percent of the country is going to despise what unfolds and the other 50 percent is going to feel like they won. And that's not a solution long term. It leaves us mm -hmm. hating each other. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing as you go into local politics. The more power that a government office holds, the more potential for serious consequence downstream. Mm -hmm. I, I think the solution is that we take on the responsibility ourselves. We start to look to each other in our own communities and we stop giving so much onus to the presidency, so much onus to these political offices, so much onus to who leads the Republican Party here in the state. Mm -hmm. It should be what do you do in your daily life as an individual that benefits others? Mm -hmm. That's what we can control and that's what we know. But instead, because these positions hold so much power, we have to win. We have to win. And if we don't win, 
our narrative of the world, our self-definition, who who we believe should should run things, yeah. how we believe things should be run, yeah. don't succeed and live on. And so it's so much, it's our identity. And until we begin to relinquish that and yeah. take back responsibility ourselves, I think we're going to remain hating each other. And I agree. Here's where we definitely agree. And I, I think you'll agree with me on this. I, I look at politics and, and the way people look at Republicans and Democrats. And I think the two worst words in this country are Republican and Democrat, because I think too many people do what's best for their party and not what's necessarily best for the country. And I think that hurts the country, you know, short term and long term. So I, I agree with you. I think we need more moderate people. I think there are there are extremes on both sides. I mean, listen, I was talking about the squad last week and their anti-Semitism and Il- Ilhan Omar, who I think is a complete disgrace. I'm very dis- uh, I'm very disappointed in Ocasio-Cortez. I, I don't think she's a dumb lady, but I think she said some really dumb things about Israel. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because Nikki Haley will talk about the squad and, and that's fine. You want to call I called out the squad. But what about anti-Semitism in her own party? Do I think all Republicans are anti? Of course not. But when you have the former president of the United States having dinner with a neo-Nazi, that's an issue. When you have Marjorie Taylor Greene and, 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 and people on the far right talk comparing Nazi Germany to putting on a mask, you know, it happens on both sides. That's the point I'm trying to make. And they should be called out for that. And if Nikki Haley is going to call up the squad, where is her same criticism for Donald Trump? I don't want to hear people call up the squad if they're not calling out both sides. I despise Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't think Ilhan Omar should be in Congress because she's an embarrassment. Yeah. We need to call up both sides. And that's what I want to see more of. That's, that's great commentary. I think if you have a principle, maintain it despite your party. So if something's going wrong... You, or, or if you have a value system that you believe should maintain, maintain it through all issues. Right. You can't just say, well, my party, my team is doing this right now, and therefore I'm going to change my principle because right. it's my team that's doing it. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Not, don't be a Nazi, right? So, that's something we yeah, can clearly say. I, I agree with right? that. What so, would you say about Kevin McCarthy then? Because on one end, he'll call out the squad. In fact, uh, the comments that were made last week, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting her name now, but she made anti-Israel comments and she said that Israel was a racist state. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, she should be punished for that. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene can make a comment about Nazi Germany and compare it to putting on a mask and he doesn't do anything. I want, I mean, I want accountability on both sides. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is the consequence of where we, we've gotten. We, mm-hmm. we have to win. Mm-hmm. We have to win. And so you're willing to put your principles aside, put your values aside and not do what's right in every scenario. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way that it should be. We, yeah. sh- we should be principled. I agree. I agree 150%. All right. So when you look at the Republican Party now, and I'm not speaking on the local terms. We talked about that. I'm speaking more on, on a national basis. The leader of your party, and you're a Republican. I'm not saying you support everything Republicans support. But the leader of your party mm-hmm. is still Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is destroying DeSantis in pretty much every poll across the country. Yep. Um, Facing all these felonies and all these indictments and sexually liable uh, in a courtroom and, and, you know, listen, still says he won the 2020 election. Let me start by asking you this and then we can move on, I hope. Would you agree with me that Joe Biden is a free and fair elected president? That's, uh, that's an answer that I don't have available for you. I don't have enough information to make that call. Even with um, Trump's own attorneys in court losing 61 times. Even with no evidence to this day of widespread voter fraud, you still can't you you, you can't answer definitively. Well, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I haven't looked into. No, any I know you're issues. not. I know you're not an attorney, yeah. I, I, and I totally understand that. But as you know, not an attorney, just an everyday person. If nobody provides me any evidence of widespread voter fraud, then I'm not going to think the election was rigged. And Trump, uh, 
I guess the point I'm trying to make is in 2016, Trump said elections were rigged leading yeah. up to that election. Then he yeah. won. And then all of a sudden, those conversations. Yeah, but away. this is the same thing we talked about. Like before the election with Trump, the Democrats were saying that the election was rigged for Bush, that it was rigged against Hillary Clinton. The same claims have been done on the other side. You think it's equal when it comes to election I, I integrity think, conversations? Oh, go back and look at videos of this. Did you Democrats can, uh, create an, uh, cause an insurrection? Was there an insurrection? Did Democrats it, lead an insurrection in the Capitol? What? What? Well, they they definitely when they made the same statements, they also make people lose faith in the election system. It's the same stuff has happened. The, see, this is why it's tough to have these conversations because we all feel that we're experts in a certain in a certain realm. And the topic changes every week, right? We we change topics every week. Is it abortion? Is it Donald Trump? Is it his indictments? Is it Ukraine? What is it? Well, are you an expert in every single scenario? Are we all experts in every single scenario? We have massive amounts of information flooding us every day. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, everything. We're digesting it all the time. Does it make you an expert just because you get flooded with information? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, think, I don't think it does. And so for us to say that we know for certain that one thing is the way that it is, is a very difficult statement. And so do I tend to say that it's gone through the legal process? It's gone through review. It's, it's been decided. There's no, there's not been a significant challenge that would disrupt it. I would say yes, that is clear as day. So it, of all the things that have unfolded in the public eye that I'm aware of, I can say there has not been something that would show me that there was election uh, issues that would cause this to be enough mm -hmm. that it would overturn an election. However, than, yeah. I can't say definitively that nothing unfolded that I'm not aware of. So I think that's very different to say that nothing unfolded. There's going to be some forms of uh, you know, election fraud in every election. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a far cry between saying that Something happened. Yeah, but let's let's try and understand the other side here. Mm -hmm. So when this unfolds, you you had Trump packing stadiums, mm -hmm. stadiums. Mm -hmm. You go to a Trump rally, and he would have lines miles down the road of people waiting to get into his rally. Mm -hmm. It's incredible watching it. And then leading up to the election, mm -hmm. Biden would go into a school gymnasium mm -hmm. and have a hundred people in there. So, so I think people there's a lot are, of reasons for that. First, right. First of all, we COVID, were not, everything yeah. that was going on. And I I'm would not, say, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying optically what was happening was people were seeing stadiums be packed mm -hmm. and then a school gymnasium be half full. Mm -hmm. And they go, how could this guy lose an election? Optically, it's not the same information that's coming into my brain. I'm seeing something different than the results that came out. I think there's an easy explanation so, for that. Right, but you How? have to understand the emotion that people feel. That's all I'm saying with this. Right, but we can't conflict emotion with facts. I'm not and, saying and, to and do that. I'm not that. saying you're I'm doing saying that. I'm saying try to seek to understand. Right, and 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 when we were in the heart of the pandemic and we were losing four or 5,000 people every day, I thought it was beyond irresponsible for Donald Trump to be holding those rallies. He's a showman. Right. People go to be entertained. He's an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, to me, he's not a politician. He's an entertainer. Um, and I can give you the, the best explanation is this. I'm a perfect example of that. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I didn't vote for Barack Obama. I lean to the left on social issues. I voted for Joe Biden because it was an anti Donald Trump vote. And I could tell you there are tens of millions of people in this country that voted the way I voted. I talk to them every day. They don't love Joe Biden. I don't want Joe Biden to run again, but we voted for Joe Biden because it was an anti-Donald Trump vote. Uh, to me, 
And, and I, I've heard the argument of some people say, well, you know, and I'm not sure you're, I don't think you're making this argument, but well, how could he have stadiums that were packed and, and how could he have all these people that voted for Joe Biden? I mean, you don't look at an election and say, well, he had more people at some of his rallies, so he must have won the election. I don't think you can look at it that way at all. I'm just saying I didn't go to any Joe Biden rallies and I wouldn't, by the way, because I have better things to do. Just like I wouldn't. I don't go, know many people who would. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't go to a Donald Trump rally either because I think it's boring to me and I don't want to be surrounded around people today that would are MAGAs. I mean, I, I just, I just, I can't do it. Right? Do you, li- do you like anything about the MAGA movement? Do I like anything about the MAGA movement? Uh, when I think MAGA movement, I think bigotry. I think racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, the election lies. I think January sixth. Do you think everyone that wears a Trump hat is a racist no, and a bigot? I would never make that statement. But as as a broad term, if you ask me, MAGA movement, I have no idea what that movement is. Um, it's attacking. You know, I think of Donald Trump. I think about attack, attacking POWs, John McCain. I don't respect him because he was captured. In me- Mexicans, they're rapists, they're bad people, and I suppose some of them are good people. During COVID, we're going to go from 15 cases to zero. Let's talk about injecting yourself with disinfectant. The 25-plus women that have accused him of sexual assault or rape, including his ex-wife in court documents. When I think of MAGA, I think of Donald Trump and I think of the human being. Like, yeah. if he just shut up and he stayed off of Twitter, then... He probably would still be president. He probably would still be president. But as a human being, I just think he's a horrible person. Yeah. A horrific human being. Well, that, see, what, I, what I'm concerned with is when we say yeah. the MAGA movement and then we say, you know, I think of bigotry, I think of hate, I think of all that sure. stuff. Well, you know, like one of the things that people like about Donald Trump is, you know, we, we watched Bush. So a lot of people my age, right, this is more of, of this. We watched yep. Bush go into war, mm-hmm. start war, and then Obama continue the war. We're 20 years into war, and then we have a guy come up and say, I'm, I'm not going to go to war. In fact, I'm going to pull all of our troops home. You're talking about Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. But all wars. We, he was like, I'm stopping all wars. We're bringing our troops yeah. home. I'm not going to enter war. Um, that spoke to a lot of people. A lot of people were sick of both the Republicans and the Democrats continuing on war. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time in, I think, 50 or 70 years that we didn't go to war mm-hmm. was under Trump. So that's something that I think most Americans can agree upon, that an anti-war statement being strong militarily, but being anti-war is a mm-hmm. good thing. You would agree to anti-war, right? Yes. Here's what I would say to that in in specifics to Afghanistan. Obviously, the withdrawal was not perfect. But what I get frustrated with, and by the way, I agree with you. War should be a last resort, right? What I get frustrated with is you have a lot of Republicans out there that are saying, oh, my God, look at what Joe Biden did. He screwed up Afghanistan with this, this, and this, when the actual policy of what Donald Trump had in place and what Joe Biden did are virtually exactly the same. So I, I think more people are concerned with what's happening in Ukraine than what's happening in yeah. Afghanistan. And that's I think but the I, handling of Ukraine can lead to a nuclear war. The handling mm-hmm. Afghanistan can can lead to a terrorism. Well, Donald Trump like said that. he could end the war. Not to bring him up again, but if you're going to talk about Ukraine, Donald Trump said he could end the war in 24 hours. Hasn't given. Well, he's just going to call up Vladimir Putin and say, hey, Vladdy, well, we got to end this. I d- mean, so so when Obama was leaving office and, mm-hmm. and gave Trump and uh, Trump asked him a question, he said, what's going to be my most serious issue that I face during presidency? Yeah. And Obama said North Korea. Well, how did Trump handle North Korea? He was the first president to walk across Mm -hmm. the line, shake the guy's hand, have dinner with him, Mm -hmm. and was at peace the entire time, and rockets stopped being launched. So could Trump uh, stop the war in Ukraine? I would say he has a better job of 
a better potential of doing that than what Biden has shown. Biden has given $100 billion to Ukraine. He's pressed Russia to the edge. Maybe we win, maybe we lose, but I think that's a very difficult to, thing to say. We're, we're causing hundreds of thousands of lives to be lost, and peace is much better than war. And I would like to see peace throughout the world as much as I possibly can. And so does Trump have problems? Yes, but I think you need to look at things where Trump was strong. And again, the issue goes back to why why does the presidency and why does any political office have so much power over our own lives? It should be you and me deciding the impact that we have. If if you and I went out every single day and we took responsibility for how this world was going to f- unfold based on what we did that day, the people that we talked to, the people that we interacted with, the hugs that we gave, the kisses that we gave, how we interacted with our children, our family members, our business partners, whatever we were doing, and we gave our best effort every single day, it would not matter what was happening in Congress or the Senate. But you know that's not the presidency. In, well, in, in then, a perfect world, well, I agree it with should. you. It but, should happen. But it won't because he has... Yeah, okay, this is again... We need where, to take on the responsibility. And but, even if it happens on the margin, we need to start looking at that. But this is, again, where you might disagree with me. I believe the MAGA movement, a large portion of it, is a cult. I don't see any pickup trucks uh, with flags in the back that say... Let's go malarkey. Let's go Joe Biden. I believe they're cultists. Am I saying everybody that supports Donald Trump is like that? No. But I believe it's a cult. Donald Trump said it himself. If I shot somebody on Fifth Avenue, they would still support me. There are people, a part of Donald Trump's base, in my opinion, that are uneducated. uh, And it doesn't matter what Donald Trump is facing, how many felonies he has, or if he committed a serious crime on video. They would still support him, and I think as long as we have people like that, but that's then the same for the we're Democrats, never going to get right? there. Still, there's still people that no matter what Biden does, they're going to support him if he's in a race against Trump. Biden could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue in a race against Trump, right? Yes. But in a race against, let's say it's a race against Ron DeSantis, the same thing's going to hold true. They're going to support the Democrat over supporting. Ron DeSantis. It's there's, just how things are. There's unfold. always going to be people that are always going to vote within por- party that's lines. That's both sides. I agree with you, that's but I sides. don't think it's a cult. I think the MAGA movement is a cult. There are people out there with their Confederate flags. You look at what happened. Do you hap- think wokeism is a cult? What do is, you think? It, do you think it aligns with something? Tell me as, what wokeism is, because I still haven't heard a valid definition of what wokeism is. Well, tell that's me what it is. It's changing every day. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is. Republicans can't yeah. define it. They bring it up, but they can't. De- so I'm asking you, what is wokeism? Okay, what about climate activists? Do you think? Do you think that there's, do you think there's something on the left that is akin to the MAGA movement, where if you dare speak against it, no matter how radical it is, that it is a serious problem that we're going to go at? So I haven't spoke hardly at all about climate change, to be honest with you, for a couple reasons. Number one, I know absolutely nothing about it. Um, I'm happy to talk about it, but uh, usually I like to talk about things where I have a little bit of knowledge. Um, I haven't. Uh, dive dove deep into that topic so um kind of like you know if i ask you a question about election you know stuff with mike mcdonald you you don't you know i I don't want to i don't know a lot about climate change give me another example of like a policy or something that you think is quote woke because i think what's woke and i don't even like using that term and i'm not saying you do this but a lot of republicans seem to be obsessed with transgenders and reading books to kids um I, I don't think know. It, I think wokeism is self-affirming at all costs. I think that's a, a very simplified definition of wokeism. So give me a policy. A, a, a policy on the – because DeSantis talks about it all the time, but he's never specific when he talks about a specific policy. As a Republican, 
Give me a specific policy that you think is woke off the charts. I think one of the most concerning things is mm -hmm. the transitioning of kids um, and, and letting kids transition into transgenderism uh, under the age of 18, especially. And then I think there are, are adults who, um, if you have a, a child, um, let's say you have four children mm -hmm. and all of them fall somewhere on the LGBTQI plus spectrum mm -hmm. or identify a certain way or transgender in a certain way. The, the chance of that is very, 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 very small on a percentage thing, on a percentage basis. The, the chance that you are fulfilling your own value proposition and using your kids as a virtue signal is much higher. And so I, I think that there is a lot of damage being done to kids. And I, I hope that we steer away from that as a culture. And I hope that we return to normalcy to a degree. If adults want to make a decision in life and they feel that they're in the wrong body, they feel that they're, they're going down the wrong path in life and they want to make a decision, great. If we are, if we are giving puberty blockers to 11 year olds and 13 year olds and we're transitioning them or giving them double mastectomies or cutting off their genitalia, that is sick and we need to stop that. And so that is a sign of wokeism that I would say I'm firmly against and would always be firmly against. So if parents uh, or legal guardians to, uh, say, a 15, 16-year-old are okay with their child having that transition, and obviously a child doesn't, you know this, they don't just walk into a hospital and say, hey, come off my genitals, I want to be a woman or a man or whatever. Obviously, you have to go through a number of different steps to do so. Besides having your parents agree to it or legal guardians, you have to talk to doctors, physicians, psychologists. Mm -hmm. Even going through all that process, you still don't – you think the government should get involved well, you and know, say we can't do it? You know, one of the interesting things is I, I think it's like 70 or 80 percent of, of um, people who have a gender uh, identification issue when they're in their youth end up just being gay later in life when they reach adulthood they realize oh i was i was confused but it turns out i'm actually just gay when they they grow up and come to a self-realization point so the conversation that we're not having is that a lot of people who are doing this affirming care are actually they're they're sterilizing the gay population that is a question that i think the left needs to address i haven't heard that stat where eight out of ten that are transgenders are gay no I, no, no 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 when they're in their youth when they're in their youth when they're in their youth it's okay, a large portion end up mm -hmm. just being gay they're gender confused mm -hmm. and again as they reach adulthood it's fine for that to occur whatever you want to do in life that's great no one should inhibit you no one should stop you if you're an adult go out and be free live your life as you see fit love people and let them love you and whatever it is. I think we should all love each other. So if that's, when it gets to kids, mm -hmm. it's a problem mm -hmm. and we need to protect our children. And so, and I think, uh, and you know, I'm not a, a scientist in this. This is something that I, I think that a lot of people, when they transition too early, they could be because they haven't had the chance to understand themselves fully, be sterilizing themselves for no reason. How many kids uh, under the age of 18 are sterilized in this country? Do you I don't know that stat. Okay, so if you think it's a problem mm -hmm. and it's this huge issue, how, how do you, you... You asked me to just point out one singular right. issue, right. not what is the biggest issue. You no. said, what is one thing that is wrong? But it's an issue And I you. said, that's right. a thing. Right. 
So, so I'm not saying it's the biggest issue. The biggest issue is that we're divided. The biggest issue is that we have a problem with each other. The, the biggest issue is that adults hate other adults. I don't think that Republicans should be against transgender people. Mm-hmm. I think that's silly. If, if, you, if someone grows up and is transgender mm-hmm. or falls anywhere in that spectrum, fine. Who cares? I think that's a serious problem with Republicans. We, we go too hard at them for no reason. I'm saying I think it's an issue that we do it at all. So what number? Is it zero or is it one? Let's say it's just one person that it happened to in the United States, that a child was sterilized. That is a problem. What if that child grows so up? So do, do I know if it was 3,000? Well, do I know curious. if it was 10,000? Or do I know if it was one? I'm saying the one was an yeah, issue. No. And it shouldn't have happened. So what, what if that child, because there are plenty of people, uh, I don't know if plenty, but there are teenagers that have had this done mm-hmm. and they're they're doing great great I've spoken to great. some of them that's great so, and I, so i'm happy that that unfolded for you i'm happy that it was a good transition for you and that it, and that it, you were the fortunate one but for the one person where you weren't the fortunate one that's sad that's sad and so i think that we should wait to adulthood for people to make rational decisions on their own on their own. What would you say to Not parents? have influence from outside people. That is a significant decision. What would you Do you s- think parents can, let's say for an eight-year-old, do you think parents can, uh, since they can decide for their children, can parents give away their child's ability to decide whether sex should occur or not? Can an eight-year-old have sex with someone because their parent said it's okay? I think it's a is fine... That, is that fine for Well, you? no, I, I, in my personal opinion, I think that's a very bad analogy. You're comparing an eight-year-old having sex to somebody getting someone's a transgender sexuality? surgery. I'm um, comparing an eight-year-old having sex to someone's sexuality. Well, yes, all, I'm comparing that's that. That's illegal. Uh, right. That, that's illegal. Right. Why is it illegal? Having transgender surgery is not. Why, why is it illegal? Because an eight-year-old cannot make a decision for themselves. I mean, I don't know. Are eight-year-olds having sex? I mean, I I don't know. I would hope not, Um, right? I mean, I I don't think that's appropriate. No, I don't. Right. Well, it's the same Um, thing with transgenderism. I don't think so. I don't think having transgender surgery is the same as as having sex. I I, I really don't. You're sterilizing a child. So, Mike, again, my question is, I I would want to know this, and I don't know if you know this because I don't know. How many eight-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds are being sterilized? If it's one, it's a problem. um, Well, I mean... Again, there are people that are going to agree with you. There are people that are going to disagree with you. Um, I try to focus on, you know, again, I try to focus on our kids getting shot in schools, uh, people that are dying on a daily basis to the crazy amount of gun violence we have in this country. Whether transgender surgery is affecting so-and-so, how many kids, I don't know how many kids it's affecting. Uh, I believe that should be a private decision with family and doctors and psychologists and all that sort of thing. Um, I think there are there are... I, I don't know if I'd characterize that as woke. Um, and again, if Republicans don't want the government to get involved, then why do they want the government to get involved when it comes to abortion or when it comes to transgender surgery? I mean, I, I think it has to be one or the other, doesn't it? Am I wrong in, say, in saying that? Great principled argument. So if you maintain that principle throughout all arguments mm-hmm. and you say that abortion should be an uh, individual's choice, mm-hmm. then maintain that principle throughout all arguments. Sure. I mean, I, I really do. I, by the way, full disclosure, I didn't think the vaccine should have, no one should have been forced to take the vaccine. But when I see people that say my body, my choice when it comes to the vaccine, and then they say they want to tell every woman what to do with their body, I find that to be hypocritical. That's Great all. principled argument. Yeah, um, You're saying your body is your your, yeah. your uh, temple. Yeah. Great I've, principled I've, I've argument. Always, I've always felt that way. And listen, I understand there are people out there that, like yourself, that don't believe it's appropriate to have a teenager or a young child get transgender surgery. 
we can agree to disagree on that. Uh, I just say that, you know, parents, um, they should have say over their children. And if it's not my child, then I don't want to have say in it. Um, at the same point, you know, you're right. We're very divided on this issue. We're, we're very divided on Here, a lot Here's of the crazy thing is we, we've talked about Trump. We've talked about yeah. uh, transgenderism. We've talked about DeSantis and Biden and all that stuff. This is what maintains our division. This is exactly it. We need to talk about what we can do on a local basis that will make our lives better. Whether you are a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian sure. or a climate activist or whatever the hell you are, mm -hmm. there is no reason that we should not be getting along together as family here locally. We should know each other. We should know how to help each other. We should know how to help each other's businesses, how to have better education in our schools, how to have cleaner water, cleaner air, mm -hmm. all those things that we all want in life, mm -hmm. more satisfaction, more community, more faith, whatever it is that you want. Let's build that. Gandhi said the best quote maybe ever in existence, and that's be the change that you want to see in the world. I don't world. disagree with you at all. And, and, so if you yeah. want things done, if you believe something so passionately, mm -hmm. so fervently, mm -hmm. you do it. You take on the onus. Live it. Live it each day in your life. Become the example. Become what you want others to achieve. I, I'm successful in real estate. I'm successful in life. I'm successful with my family. Mm -hmm. I'm successful in politics. I do all of these things because I believe it's the example that others should follow. Mm -hmm. I think that people look at me as the leader for a reason. They look at me as the person who's going to lead them forward for a reason mm -hmm. because I've proved it in my life. They know it in their heart. They know that's the guy that I'm going to look to. That's the guy that knows the answer. That's the guy that knows the direction because he's done it. And he's not bullshitting me. He's not saying, hey, go out and do this, and I'm not going to go do it. I'm going to do it in the fucking trenches with right, you. Right, right, right. I'm going to do every single bit of it. And I think that more people need to do that. They need to be the example of what they want. So if it's something on the left and it's a political issue, you believe in recycling more, you believe in climate change, you believe in all of these things, then go out and take the responsibility to make the change occur. Do everything you possibly can. Pick one issue, devote your entire life to it, and make the change. It will bring you fulfillment. It will bring you, it will bring you satisfaction and you will see change. I guarantee it. But as long as we all sit here and bitch about what the other side is doing, why the other side is keeping me down, why the other side is the problem, we're just going to hate each other and we're never going to find fulfillment in our own selves, in our own lives. This is the glory. This is the reason for life. It's to see what you can do that will make the world better. We're sitting here going, well, I, I'm so mad that I'm in this situation. I'm so mad that Republicans are doing this. I'm so mad that Democrats are like this. I'm so mad that Republicans talk about election integrity or transgender issues or whatever the hell that I'm mad that they talk about. Don't stop giving a shit. Stop giving a shit and just go out and do the best that you possibly can every single day for okay. the people that are in so your I life. I think that's I, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, but I think it's easy to say that, for example, and you're not going to like what I'm going to say here, but if you're a woman in a state where abortion is illegal, mm -hmm. you can't just get up and say, hey, I'm going to do something about this. There are politicians on both sides that are that are policymakers. And while I agree with you. Would your... you say that to the women who didn't who didn't have a chance to vote? Would you say so when women weren't able to mm -hmm. vote, all sure. the people, all the women that were in the whole country that couldn't go out and fight and, and, and vote, couldn't go out and vote. 
Then they fought. They got on the streets. They went out and, and, and rallied. They did everything they possibly mm-hmm. could to change that. And then they succeeded. So are you, are you diminishing their achievement? So if you feel that something's going on in your state that you disagree with, if it is abortion, yeah. go out and rally the people. Don't change things by well, force. A lot of, a lot of as soon as you that. put something into legislation and you mm-hmm. force it, you just made everyone who disagrees with you bow to you through force. You need to win over people through your, through your arguments, through your internet, intellect, through your rhetoric. You need to bring people to your side so that they understand you deeply. Yeah. You do not crush people. You will never bring them to your side. You will never bring them to your understanding. They need to understand you. They need to see you live it. They need to understand your arguments. If you just force them to bow to you, you will never win. When it comes to the, so abortion, the abortion issue, is great. When, when it comes to the abortion issue, I, I don't want anybody to bow to, to me, or, 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 or I think there are. What I want is I want people to have their own choice. If you want to have a hundred kids, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's your right. I just don't want to take that. You know, right away from somebody else. Uh, I also think that you know there should be a, t- a term limit in, in 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 abortion, and I don't agree with late term abortion. But um, I agree with you. I don't like people forcing their positions on other people. But that's all this is right now. That's our whole entire political environment. How do you feel about abortion? Great. We're going to do this. The Supreme Court's going to have this decision. The the government's going to put this law in place mm-hmm. to protect abortion. Whatever it is, all we're doing is legislating mm-hmm. our moral code. Instead, which, of which bringing, like. instead of bringing people mm-hmm. with us, bringing people to understand what it is that's righteous about our belief. But the reason, if you believe this about abortion or this about abortion, bring people right. to your side and let them see the righteousness of your argument. But the don't shut why, them out through law. The reason why I'm bringing up some of these issues with you today is because when you listen to the leaders of your party. This is what they are talking about. They're not talking about the things that you mentioned, which I agree with. We should be talking about Medicare. We should be talking about, you know, uh, livable wages, inflation. I, I agree. These are the things that everybody should be talking about. But when you put on a Newsmax or a Fox News, or if you listen to a Sean Hannity or Mark Levin, they're the ones talking about gender identity. They're the ones talking about abortion. They're the ones talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. I haven't found many Republicans today that are not talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. I agree with you. We should be talking about more. We should be talking about more issues, uh, you know, than, you know, the issues that the other issues than a lot of the big faces in the, in the Republican Party are talking about. That's why I bring up these issues, because it's frustrating to me. I'd like to be talking about other issues. But again... This is what Ron DeSantis talks about in every speech, gender identity. Well, if we if we continue on the sickness, we we will just be we'll just be continuing it on. Mm-hmm. You're you're right. There's too many people talking about national issues that divide us. There's there's probably five issues that divide us nationally: mm-hmm. abortion, gun rights, Trump, Ukraine, whatever right. the top five are. That's what divides us. So stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Start start doing mm-hmm. what you know will benefit someone in your life. Sure. That's it. And if I go to a family dinner and I start talking shit and I'm like, how do you, how do you feel about Hunter Biden's laptop? Or I can be like, how's your family? What's going on in your life? Mm-hmm. What's going on with your kids? Mm-hmm. Are they, they're getting bullied? Yeah. Your kids getting bullied? What can I do to help? Mm-hmm. Can I step in? Mm-hmm. Can I, can I be your kid's mentor? Can I, can I just sit with them? Right. Now I have a chance and an opportunity. I have an opportunity. To help somebody. 
that never would have existed yeah. because I care about what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. If I care about Biden, what am I going to do? Okay, so they, they, they're they a Hunter, Hunter Biden supporter and a Biden supporter, and they don't mm-hmm. give a crap what was on the laptop. Right. And they're going to be for him no matter what. Mm-hmm. And now my conversation with them at Thanksgiving dinner is about the laptop. Right. We're going to hate each other at the end of the thing and nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets done. The laptop doesn't go away. The laptop doesn't come out. He's not prosecuted. Nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes. But maybe the maybe their kid is struggling in high school. Right. Maybe he doesn't know what to do in life. Mm-hmm. And now I sit down with him and I say, hey, how you doing, buddy? What can I do to help you? Right. How can I love you more? Mm-hmm. Now something actually gets done. Mm-hmm. Now something changes. So if we continue on talking about the shit that will not make a difference in our lives Mm -hmm. and only divides us, we will continue to have these problems. We don't know the amount of opportunities that are being lost because we are unwilling to connect with each other on an individual basis and see the person as they are Mm -hmm. and enter their lives in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. How can I help you? You would agree, How can I love you? But you would agree... That, for example, if somebody talks about gun control, that's an issue that affects people. You, you would, you would give me that. You would. Agree Everything that. affects everyone, right? In, e- it, this is the thing. So many different topics affect right. everyone. Inflation affects everyone. Sure, we're not escaping them. I'm sure, not saying sure, that. Sure. I'm not saying that they're not going to play a role in your life. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, what level of control do you have? What level of control do you have over inflation? Well, certainly I can vote, right? Certainly right. I can vote for the candidates that I support that I think could help. Right. Uh, certainly I can make the case of uh, inflation in this country compared to other countries around the world. Great. Um, and what and- level of control do you have in gun control? What level of control do you have in abortion? What level of control do you have in, in Ukraine? Right. What level of control do you actually have? Well, I'm have? not a lawmaker. Right. I, we can talk right. about it and we could have discussions, but I'm not a lawmaker. Exactly. Uh, but you are a human. Uh, and what sure. you can do every sure. day is go out and love someone. That yeah. I know. I know that you have the control to do that. You have. So but can't you do both? Can't you love somebody no, and have do, discussions what with What you people? can do is you can pick one topic in your life that will fulfill you, maybe two, and you go hardcore after it. So mm-hmm. if it is gun control, if it is abortion, if it is Ukraine, if it's whatever it is to you, pick the topic and then devote yourself to it. Why does it have to be one topic? Because that's where you'll see change. And that's where maybe the world will change. We've forgotten how much power we actually have as an individual. We've forgotten that. Because we are facing all of these enormous problems as a society. Mm -hmm. We are facing inflation. We are facing war. Mm -hmm. We're we're facing climate change. We're facing mass pollution. We're facing too many childhood deaths. We're facing school shootings. We're facing all of these problems. Sure. And they're massive. Mm-hmm. They're huge. And so what do we do? Naturally, this is okay to do, but it's pervasive in our society and we need to change. What we do is we relinquish our responsibility. We say, I'm too small. I can't tackle climate change. I can't tackle inflation. I can't do that. And so I'm going to relinquish it entirely to the only thing that I see out there that is large enough to combat this massive problem. And that is the federal you know, government. You know, let me, let me tell you, tell me if you think you disagree with me or not. One of my biggest issues, particularly over the last four or five years, is conspiracy theories. I get very angry. And I'm, notice how I'm not saying Republican, just in general. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking in general terms. For example, today, Bronnie James, he has a cardiac arrest, right? Mm-hmm. Terrible, right? We're glad he's doing better. As I said, you know, we're, we're so happy that, you know, he it looks like he's going to recover, right? And I see people, human beings on social media, conspiracy theories, myocarditis, it must have been the vaccine. 
Um, I just don't like Alex Jones people. And I know you say love. It's hard for me to love people like that. And maybe that's something I need to work on. But when I hear somebody like an Alex Jones who has a huge platform, we're not talking about somebody like me or, or water cooler talk, say that the Connecticut school shooting didn't happen and that uh, Democrats orchestrated October 1. And then he's going to be paid to speak in Vegas next month. Now, I understand it's a free country. I understand there's freedom of speech. Why do we have to give people like that platforms? Conspiracy theorists. Why do we pay any attention to it? Because he has a huge platform and you have to. You can ignore it. But regardless, you and I could ignore it. Yeah, I don't give any relevance to Alex Jones. We agree, right? But there are, you know there are going to be millions of people in this country that will. And I think that's dangerous. It's bad for the country. Now, maybe you and I can't change that. All we can do is ignore it. And I'm with you. But there are people that give them platforms, and I find it to be extremely troubling. Medical misinformation. You know, the best way to deplatform something mm-hmm. is to come up with the opposite solution. The best way to deplatform it. So, like, here's the thing with, with Republicans. We, we talk about the free market, right? We say the free market will provide. Okay, we, we shouldn't have universal health care or, or government health care in general because mm-hmm. the free market provides. Mm-hmm. Or we shouldn't have education because the free market provides. Well, guess what? We are the market. We are the market. Okay? And a lot of Republicans don't step up. Mm-hmm. The best way forward for Republicans on this is if we wanted a better education system, we need to create an education system. Right. Or health care. Or replacement for Obamacare. Correct. Give me a replacement. We need, yeah. as business owners, as individuals in our community, mm-hmm. go out and start educating people better. We need to create schools. We need to create healthcare programs. We need to do whatever it is in the free market that combats the problem. We need to be the solution. This is why you can't do a hundred different things and focus your attention on a hundred different things. But there's my but issue. But you can do one thing and do it really, really well. And yeah. so if you pick that thing and you decide you're going to change it, change it. Go all in. Devote your life to it. I agree. I don't care what side of the political I, spectrum you're I agree with on. you, but this is one of my issues today with certain politicians, particularly those on the right, when we talk about these issues. I don't hear solutions for them. I just hear, as you said, bitching. And people on the left do it too. There's no question about it. That's because but, we need each other for the solution. But when I hear, we need each other. I, I, I understood. But when I hear, I can't go out and create a better education system without Democrats in my city I, coming with me. I agree. They need to be with me on this. I, I agree with so you. So we need each other. And as long as we're divided, we're not going to do it. Hundred percent. But as you know, you've heard a lot of complaints from people on the right when it came to Obamacare. Okay, fine. Give me your replacement. Love plan. it. We never had one. Agree. And and as far as gun control, okay, you don't agree with what Democrats are proposing, no problem. Let's have that conversation. Locking school doors and giving kindergarten teachers guns is not going to make us safer. I'm with you. I want to hear solutions. And even if I disagree with you, mm-hmm. we disagree on on you know transgender stuff. Fine. I would love to have a conversation with you about okay, what do we do with a kid that's confused? Let's have that conversation. That's fine. Um, I don't think protesting outside a target and telling people not going into a target is a good solution to the problem. I think you would agree with me on that. And I agree as a whole that Republicans and Democrats need to come together and we need lesser extremes on both sides of the aisle. Just like I don't want an Ilhan Omar, I don't want a Marjorie Taylor Greene either. And yes, I agree with you. We can love one another. We can speak with one another. But there's only so much we can do uh, if we're not a policymaker, if we're not a politician. We can vote. We can vote people out. We can vote people in. And I, and I get all that stuff. You could change the world. 
You um, could change the world if you <laughs> devoted yourself to one thing. And every single person listening can change the world. We've forgotten the power. We can change the world as long as we went at one thing and devoted our lives to it. We have the power. Let's do it. I mean, yes, to an extent. It's nice to hear that. And I, and I totally understand what you're saying. But there are some people that have more power than others. You know that. And if you're a politician that, that, that's putting the, the, the laws so on the books. go after your cause. Form a team. Join the guy that's doing it. If you see a guy running or a woman running and, and they're going after the thing that you believe in, join them. Support them. My, Do whatever way, of, you my want. way of doing it is just trying to hold people to account calling people out and holding them to account if they do things that are just wrong. And maybe that's not enough. Maybe I need to be doing more. Maybe you're right. But that's my way of, of doing it is trying to hold people to account, like the medical misinformation that's on social media today about Bronnie James. It's dangerous. And it's dangerous because you have no idea what his medical history was, but you're making an assumption that he must have myocarditis. Uh, it's wrong. I don't like it. Assumptions that, uh, you know, Joe Biden broke the law. Uh, if he's indicted, then I want him to held, be held to account. Two-tier justice system. I hear that all the time. Um, I want people held to account. Um, As do I. Yeah. And, and, but, but, and I appreciate that. I feel like there's a lot of people in this country that do not. And they'll stand by their man no matter what. Um, if a politician breaks the law, left or right, I want them held to account. Love it. Yeah. And, and I just feel like um, people are not fair on both sides maybe. But people are not fair when it, when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, and it's frustrating and it resonates with me on the air and I get angry and I get frustrated because yes, I do think there are a lot more important things to talk about than transgenders or, uh, you know, people reading books to kids. Uh, I don't think our kids are being indoctrinated. I don't think critical race theory exists. And if it does, it's not at the elementary or high school level. It's probably a few professors at the college level. We never even heard of critical race theory until the last five years. And yes, there are Democrats on the other side that are weak when it comes to certain issues, particularly being strong on criminals and crime. There's no question about that. And there are people on the left that I don't like. I don't like Nancy Pelosi. I don't like Chuck Schumer. I don't like Ilhan Omar. There's a lot of Democrats I would never vote for. Uh, but again, extremes. And yeah, I talk a lot about extreme extremism within the Republican Party today. I do talk about that a lot today. Um, but there's no question it happens on both sides. I talked about the squad, for example. Um, let me ask you, because we only got a couple more minutes left here. Um, what is the, you talk about the one thing locally. You're very in, diving into local politics. We have a couple minutes left. The one thing, your passion that you want to change here locally in Las Vegas, because you're born and raised here your whole life, right? What would that be? What's the one thing that frustrates you? You said, man, I want to change this. I want to do this. I'll tell you the one thing that would unify us very well and is probably the most impactful but is is unseen, and that's control of our land. So right now the federal government owns a significant portion of our land in the state. Mm -hmm. I think it's 83%, something like that. Yep. Um, but in Las Vegas, the BLM uh, sur mm -hmm. surrounding Las Vegas – it owns all of it. Mm -hmm. And so we should have ownership of our own land in the state of Nevada. And there's things that are so unifying about this. Like if you want um, better education system through funding and that, and you're on the Democrat side and you want more funding for our education system. Right. Well, we get that through property tax. Mm -hmm. So let private owners own the land and get property tax from it. You also get uh, more affordable housing. Let builders buy cheap land mm -hmm. that is our own land, cheap land, and build more affordable housing. A lot of the problems that we have with affordable housing right now is because the land is so expensive. And this is your expertise. This is what you do. Uh, and, you know, we have, of course, your business associate, I guess you'd call him Blake Wynn. Mm -hmm. Great guy. 
great guy. Phenomenal. And, uh, I, I, you know, and these are the conversations that I think we need to have more of, yep. right? I've had plenty of shouting matches, and I've regretted it at times. And I think having civil discussions, even though we might not agree on everything, is extremely important. I see you're a passionate guy, as am I. Doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but we need more reasonable people having these types of conversations. You seem to me to be a pretty reasonable, smart guy, and and there are people that are not. <laughs> and those are the people that I try to avoid. But uh, anyway, Zach uh, Walker, Lieb, uh, unfortunately, our time is up. The hour's gone by very fast. Really good conversation, though. It's a pleasure meeting you. I'd love you to come back in, and maybe we can get Blake back in as well. Uh, and uh, appreciate what you guys do at uh, Keller Williams. Blake's great at what he does, man. If you're buying a selling home, give him a call. I've memorized this number because I bother him so much. 702-540-3311. Again, his number, Blake Gwynn at Keller Williams. Uh, buying or selling a home, give him a call. 702-540-3311. Uh, Zach, it really has been a pleasure, and you're welcome back anytime. It's really been a good conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Appreciate that. We're going to switch topics a little bit tomorrow. Tupac Shakur. Uh, uh, Chris Carroll, former Metro police officer, is going to be joining us in studio tomorrow. He was the first on the scene uh, at the Tupac murder. And, yeah, if you haven't... Uh, already seen there's kind of some news on that tupac's back in the news the murder investigation uh so he'll join us tomorrow my my thanks to zach for joining us and of course my appreciation for jackie siegel uh we'll see you tomorrow same time same place everybody have a great day we'll see you tomorrow